these Sundays after Pentecost when the fire came down and the disciples spoke and everyone understood, when God's spirit was put upon God's people to go out into the world and live God's message, these Sundays after that moment are called ordinary time. But when we hear ordinary, we so often think of the drudgery of our days, the rote and the routine, the dishes that are always there, the laundry, the groceries, the never-dones, and the always-to-dos. But these days in which we find ourselves are far, far from ordinary in so, so many ways. And our passage today from Colossians tells not just of the ordinary, but of the truly extraordinary. For it tells us of the power of the resurrection, of how Christ not only lived, but still lives in our lives. This pericope, this selection of scripture, begins with a prayer. As Lois Malcolm, professor of systematic theology at Luther Seminary, states, this prayer is an act of pedagogy. It teaches. This prayer reflects the ways that the people of Colossae are being taught and transformed. How Christ is to live not only in their lives, but also in our lives. This theme in the Paulian letters is consistent. We know Christ is in our hearts by three things, found in Romans, Corinthians, and here in Colossians. Faith and hope and love. But it is not enough to hear or just believe, but we also must act. For we are meant to live the gospel message, and in doing so, bear fruit. A reading from Colossians, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, as you bear fruit in every good work as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, 
who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorified in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock. You, O God, are our redeemer. Amen. So I recently heard this joke that might resonate with some of you. Imagine that you had a job and you had to work 24-7 and you got yelled at all the time. Sometimes you were thrown up on and there are people's lives at stake. Just over two years ago when my husband Dan and I became parents, this was our reality. <laughs> Well, maybe more his than mine, not to throw him under the proverbial bus or anything, but my husband had only held one child before we gave birth to our daughter, Eliza. But we were essentially in it together. My stints of babysitting back in high school and college had not prepared me for parenthood. At night, parents would come home and I would joyfully hand back their little one. At night, when Eliza was born, we would exchange helpless looks sometimes as she cried. What's wrong with her, we wondered, or what's wrong with us? On our worst nights, we'd look at each other accusingly and ask, what are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't you holding the baby like this and patting her like that? We had no idea what it meant to be parents. Those of you with grown children might look at us and say, we still have no idea what it means to be parents as we're in this infant stage. But one thing I've started to wonder is maybe you never fully know. But one thing these two years have also taught us is that we learn in the doing. There is no class that can be taken, no book that can be read. There is only life to be lived. And today in our passage from Colossians, the same is true. It is in the living of our lives that we bear fruit, and it is in the bearing of the fruit that we learn more about the gospel. It's been a gift to see the fruit that is being born in our home. At night, as we tuck our now two-year-old Eliza into bed, we hold her and we list the people that love her or who love her. We always start, whichever parent is putting her to bed, mama loves you. And then she says, dada. We say, dada loves you. And then she says, Joe. We say, Joe loves you. And then she also adds baby sissy, like they're two separate people, her sister Joe. But then we say, baby sissy does love you. We tell her, we tell her that her sister loves her and she knows it. She wants to care for little Joe. Every time we change Joe's diaper, she will excitedly pull up her little step stool to the changing table and exclaim, Joe poop, yay, and clap her little hands. We have to teach her that she can't stick her hand in there though. <laughs> We've had to teach her also that she can't put a blanket over Joe's face to try to soothe or comfort her. 
and that there is such thing as snuggling someone too hard. I can't wait to see what fruit will be born for the two of them. I'm sure Laura will say there's sometimes fruit and sometimes not fruit <laughs> that is born with teenage daughters down the road. But the fruit is born of these thousands of little acts, the ways their relationships will teach them, too, of God's love. And in doing so, in these fruits that are born, I pray that they will grow in faith and in hope and in love for one another, themselves, and the world. But I wonder if this is where, as people of faith, we sometimes falter, or maybe I falter, and get it wrong. See, I don't want to do first. I like to know things fully. I want to have a plan. I want to be able to see the outcome and have 10 steps to get there. I want to be able to reason it and understand it, to feel like I have a hold on it. Maybe that's my own desire for the illusion of control. But that's not what we are called to in the life of faith. It feels almost silly saying that because faith itself is about living into the unknowing. It's about asking the big questions and not necessarily finding any easy answers. But it's about trying and exploring and experimenting. It's about getting it wrong and saying we're sorry and trying again. Because we won't get it perfect. We can't get it perfect. We won't have it fully thought through and there is no one plan. But we live as faithfully as we can. And then we bear fruit. And then we learn and we hope and we change, and then we bear more fruit. But the fruit that we bear is not always of God. We have stories that transcend time that tell us of this, the story of King Midas's golden touch bearing the fruit of greed, or Narcissus's eternal gaze bearing the fruit of vanity. And I can't help but wonder in this time in our country the fruit that is being born. It is impossible to ignore what happened in Highland Park last Monday. As a place of joy and childlike wonder and awe, as bands played and trucks passed turned into a scene of terror, as evil took to the street and as lives were lost and other lives were forever changed. When I heard the news, I became sick and angry, as I'm sure many of us did. When I was a seminary student, I worked at a church in Brookfield, Connecticut in the summer of 2013. And as I would drive from New Haven through the green hills, staked in yards alongside the road or fixed to overpasses, I would see angel cutouts with the names Allison Wyatt, Benjamin Wheeler, Olivia Engel. And there were more, 20 little angels in all, for the children who died in Sandy Hook. Names that I have largely forgotten because they've been added to a litany, an impossibly long litany of other names. I remember thinking as I drove that summer that this will change everything. 
but it didn't. Gun violence plagues the streets of Chicago less than 45 minutes from where we sit this morning. Names of ones loved by those around them and beloved by God, lost to the ticker tape of time. While children in our community ideally, idyllically leave bikes unlocked by the candy store just down the road. As we witnessed Monday, not a lot has changed. Not a lot has changed since I was a girl homesick, watching news of Columbine shooting, to Highland Park and to this. This is fruit that we are bearing. But it is not, it does not have to be like this. And I do not believe it is what God, who in Jesus called the little children to him, wants. As news of Highland Park continues to develop, I hold my two-year-old extra close, and I think of the parents. <laughs> I think of the parents who laid down their lives for their two-year-old son. I think of the birthdays and the bath times that they will miss. Unlike the author of this letter, I do not think we bear these times with patience, and I certainly do not think we bear them joyfully. But I do think we take strength from God and hope, not as a thin or flighty thing, but as a fierce rallying cry, because I hope for a different future for our world and for my girls and for all of God's people. We may not know how to get there. We may not even know where there is or where exactly we are headed. But what we can do, what we must do, is live the gospel. Gospel that reminds us of the ways that love looked in the face of the empire and demanded another way. May we not be immobilized by the largeness of the issues in our midst to inaction. May we faithfully do the only thing we can do, which is to take the next right step. And to do it not in spite of our faith, but because of our faith. That the world may know we are Christians by our revolutionary, transformative love, because this is truly the thing that will change the world. Amen.